positive, much as bairag and detachment has a negative connotation, um, as a byproduct of their positive pursuit of love of Krishna. So if you love someone, then you tend to forego the things that are not pleasing to them. Um, so there is a measure of austerity, but it's uh, a byproduct. It's not that that they means austerity is not the means. Detachment is not the part of the means, as it is in yoga and gyan. Uh, but it is a result that comes about hmm, as a, a kind of a secondary result of bhakti. Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita Janyati Ashubai Ragyam Gyanam Chayrahoitukam. Quickly, by the execution of bhakti, when it comes to knowledge, and the corollary of knowledge, of course, is detachment. And this is, again, the detachment of things that may not be favorable to bhakti. Hmm. Um, so, uh, at the same time, we see, as I'm mentioning, that the Goswami set a very extreme standard of renunciation. That the the the, 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 uh, the description of Raghunath Das Goswami is particularly intimidating, and how he uh, lived in Jagannath Puri and um, gradually, step by step, became more and more renounced. With regard to eating, which is kind of the bottom line of life, if you eat, you you live. It's thought. Hmm. And uh, he used to get uh, because he was some rich parentage. Although he had renounced, and his parents gave up the prospect of recapturing him for material life, they nonetheless sent him a stipend every month in Jagannath Puri, hmm. and so he would spend the money to hold festivals. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates and feed them very sumptuously with Jagannath Prashad. And then he thought, what kind of renunciate am I? I'm living here, then I'm getting money from home. So he stopped accepting the money from home and used to then stand in front of the lion's gate of the Jagannath temple with a begging bowl and accept what he um, was given in the course of the day of Jagannath Prashad from the pilgrims coming out of the temple. And then he went further and said that, oh, in my mind... I tend to think that guy gave yesterday. I should go over to him. That guy, I don't. He didn't give. I won't go after him. And I found myself. He describes as making this kind of discrimination that one person was more important in my life than another, hmm? um, in terms of its material sustenance. And so, so he gave that up. And then he ultimately was found by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself in the back of the temple where. After the prasadam had been offered and distributed, and the uh, little undistributable, if it might be uh, thought, it might be thought, remnants were given to the cows, he was found there picking out pieces of rice that the cows had not yet taken up or had left, washing them off, and this is what he was eating. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went there and intervened and said, what, what is this? You're having another feast and you're not inviting me. Hmm. So a very extreme um, example, and it's not one that we're called to follow by the example or teachings of our um, charges in the line of succession. Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj at one point described the work of the Goswamis, the acts of the Goswamis with regard to the type of overt renunciation we see in them 
as the work that's involved in making a necklace out of gems that first involves drilling a hole in the gems. And that's the hard work. And they left for us putting the string through. That's all. Hmm? After all, they were forming a sampradaya. And in the context of forming a sampradaya, well, they, they were competing ideas. And one of the dominant uh, competing ideas was the idea of the um, Advaita Vedanta, also known as Mayavada. And this is a, a form of the, of the Gyan Marg for reasons that we'll hear tonight in the course of our discussion of Chaitanya Lila, the ongoing discussion, um, a questionable uh, form of the Gyan Marg, but nonetheless as such, conceived of as such by its founder, Shankaracharya, it has as one of its limbs of the body of its practice the culture, direct culture of renunciation. So typically the, the Mayavadis uh, uh, in the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, at least I don't know what they do now, but they, they would uh, set an extreme example of renunciation. Hmm? And so here the Goswamis were establishing the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is all about the love affairs of Radha and Krishna. Hmm. And um, they were meditating on those affairs, writing about them, hearing, chanting, putting those affairs to poetry and, and music and so on and so forth. And um, as we have seen in this narrative thus far, uh, the seventh chapter of the Adi Lila, where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was dealing with Prakashananda in Banares, his hearing and chanting and dancing in the streets was questionable in the in the mind of Prakashananda Saraswati. What kind of this isn't the duty of a sannyasi? It's to be renounced and study the Vedanta, and so on and so forth. Um, and so, at the time of the Goswamis, the their new religion, if you will, of course, it's a religion of of, of, of ancient times and eternal and whatnot, but it was manifesting in a particular form due to the uh, appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the teachings that he imparted to the Goswamis, a certain interpretation, understanding of the sacred texts and so forth. So given that the, the more, pre, more prominent idea of spirituality was the overt uh, well the 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 the, uh, the um, was thought to be something that is otherworldly and that might be uh, or not of not of this world I should say um, was demonstrated or, or was manifest in persons who were extremely Renounced, they would wear the red cloth or no cloth, and they would be renounced. And so, this, if if acquisition is material life, material acquisition, then giving up things is spiritual life. And the more you've given up, the more you overtly exhibit renunciation, the more you would be thought by the people in general to be a person of spiritual um, credentials and and um, and worthy of association, praise, learning from, and so on and so forth. So this is the, was, the, was uh, uh, and still is in many respects, the common 
kind of thinking. Therefore, it said, Vaishnavera Kriyamudra Buddha. It's difficult to understand the activities of a Vaishnava, which could be like that of an ordinary person. And there are many examples in the lives of the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who lived as householders and even as wealthy persons, members of the government. We find even in more modern times, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, a magistrate, and so on and so forth, at least for the better part of his life. Hmm? And in, in and it was during that time, as a magistrate, uh, and bearing, uh, with, along with his uh, wife, uh, uh, beginning a number of children, 10, 12 children, he was, it was during that time that he was writing his uh, extraordinary works and teaching and so forth. The last four years of his life, he, he um, sealed himself off from the public in his bhajan mood, but his contribution philosophically, theologically, came in those times. So he was vital and alive spiritually as a householder and uh, with a household of sizable, considerable size and all that goes with that and, um, and, a, and a job in the British uh, government and so on and so forth. So um, I, the Goswamis were again establishing a sampradaya and they had a, these, uh, this idea to kind of compete with in a sense and if they were going to be meditating upon Radha and Krishna and singing songs about them and so forth in order to bring credibility to their lineage, they also set an extraordinary example of renunciation that um, they to show that they could compete, if you will, in that regard with the Mayavadis to show that, yes, Vasudeva Bhagavati, I cited this earlier, Vasudevi Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita Janiyati Ashubhairagyam Gyanam Chayrahoitakam Bhagavatam says Bhakti to Vasudev very quickly comes knowledge and detachment which is thought to be small things um, according to Rupa Goswami and not the means hmm? Gyan and Bhairagya particularly um, um, underscored in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in the section in which Rupa Goswami is describing the limbs of bhakti, hmm? uh, they're underscored jnana and varga as something that, as 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 something that do not constitute limbs of bhakti. Hmm? Still, they come within the bhakta in due course, and so they they showed a very overt example of renunciation, and arguably got uh, some. You know, you have to deal with the times and package your presentation um, accordingly. Hmm? Um, and so they, they did so, and, and, and their renunciation is sung about, for example, by Srinivasacharya, and it uh, was not of not small in, in measure. It would frighten some of the Maya bodies. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did the same thing. He frightened the, the big sannyasis, Brahmananda Bharati, Keshava Bharati, uh, uh, Brahmananda uh, Puri, uh, Paramananda Puri, uh, and so on. There were nine sannyasis, very elderly to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and some of them, come, some of them coming, if not all of them, from the Shankar lineage, as Keshava Bharati did. The Puris, Bharatis, these were all um, uh, names, sannyas names from the Shankar Sampadaya. Mm-hmm. Tirtha is a name taken up by the by the Madhvas. We don't find any Tirthas amongst the nine roots, metaphorical roots of the tree of love of God. 
they were rooted in in renunciation in a sense. I mean, they, that's not the best term, perhaps, because they're really rooted in, in in love of Krishna, of which the result is renunciation. But nonetheless, there's a there's a as much as there's a going up of the tree of love of God, there's a going down also. There is a, to the bhakti, there is a Vedanta, there is wisdom, there is knowledge, and it does correspond with the foregoing of the pursuit of sense objects for the pleasure of my own senses. We do it in a different way because it's one thing to forego the pursuit of sense objects for my own pleasure and another thing to pursue sense objects for the pleasure of Krishna's senses. That's uh, something we do anyway, so we uh, pursue the sense objects, sort of pursue it for Krishna's senses. It's arguably easier to do than foregoing um, such uh, interaction with sense objects at all, which seems impossible, difficult if not impossible. You understand? Uh, we are uh, made up of senses, so to speak, physically speaking. Hmm? So, at any rate, the Goswami set a very extraordinary example of this kind of tag. And my point is that in the modern times, in a time when Gaudiya Vaishnavism, hundreds of years after its having been found and so forth, was um, uh, in a state of <coughs> disrepair and misrepresentation hmm? to a large extent. Thakabhakti Node identified 12 or 13 different sects that themselves identified them, th- themselves as followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but whose underlying uh, Siddhanta, scriptural conclusions, philosophy was not in accord with that of Rupa Goswami. Hmm? And his ardent uh, follower, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who he, whom Bhakti Mnod empowered to carry on with the kind of the uh, the um, work of Bhakti Vinod to bring out from within this uh, confusion and highlight and underscore through his writing and example the actual teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He himself was thought that the teachings of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas uh, and their understanding of the Bhagavat was was um, um, deplorable. He was taught that um, and but he came to find out that wasn't the case. Of course, when he studied the Bhagavad in light of the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, as represented by our beloved and most revered Krishna Kaviraj Goswami in Chaitanya Charitamrita. So anyway, he it's not that Gaudiya Vaishnavism wasn't, wasn't alive and well, but it's it's in its in the popular sector, it was it was thought to be something like the Hare Krishna movement, <laughs> if you will. So um, he tried to give it some dig- the dignity that it deserved in intellectual circles and write about it extensively, and as I say, set a good example. And Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsadhaka was commissioned and empowered by him to continue that. And the very pranam, one of the pranams or prayers in uh, uh, offering of uh, respect to Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsadhaka includes the idea that Rupanuga Virudhapa Siddhanta if the teaching is against that of Rupa Goswami's Siddhanta, then he was not, uh, he, he could not tolerate that. He wanted that the, the true teachings of Rupa Goswami to be um, uh, established. And the misrepresentation of that was, uh, was, was troublesome to him. 
as it was to Bhaktivinoda. So, this is the climate. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, as we know, has been was referred to by a popular uh, journalist as the seventh Goswami, because his work in some ways paralleled that of the six Goswamis, who were the founding acharyas of the whole Sampradaya. They founded it by way of their literature, by way of their interpretation of the sacred texts that were um, sacred to all the lineages, like the Vedanta Sutra, the Bhagavatam, the Gita, and so forth. We have our own understanding of it. And that's how they formed the lineage. And also under the directive of Mahaprabhu, Sanatana and Gopal Bhattagaswamis, they wrote about the, the... the procedures, the decorum, the, the, the ways of the Gaudias, how they will eat and sleep and marry and uh, worship the deity, what are their mantras, and, and so on and so forth. This is Hari Bhakti Vilas, um, a book uh, composed of many uh, citations from the greater body of the sacred text that form kind of a smriti for the Gaudias. Hmm. And uh, that is also in consideration of the times that, that they were in and how they had to showcase the Sampradaya that it would be credible in terms of how people thought about things religious at the time. So as we see some adjustment to the renunciation, the standard of the renunciation of the Gosamis, we also see some adjustment with regard to the adherence to the, to the um, dictums of the Hari Bhakti Bilas. Once I was sitting with with um, Srivatsa Goswami, who's a f- in the family of Radha Raman Goswamis, and, uh, because uh, they are followers of Gopal Bhatta Goswami, and they worship his deity, Radha Raman. Um, uh, I was dis- we were discussing a certain point. He was telling me that in the, in the Hari Bhakti Vilas, I was aware of it, but the guru is described as being a householder. Householders should be the gurus. Mm-hmm. And um, um, he left out another part of the verse that says, "And they should be handsome." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you can see there's some relativity to to the to the to the uh, to the verse there. I didn't really pull it on him, <laughs> but uh, because I, our guru, it was a subtle way in which he was actually criticizing my my guru, who was a, who was a sannyasi, and the, and the sannyas of bhakti Siddhanta, which is a which is an, an anga, a limb of the Gyanmarg, hmm, that he included in his mission to show a standard of renunciation, to distinguish the Godias from the reputation they had of being licentious at the time, hmm, in the name of being Babaji's, pursuing the parakya in this world, hmm, rather than in the other world. Uh, so at any rate... Um, I don't know. I don't remember if I said that to him. I don't know if he's particularly good-looking. Can't remember. And of course, that's all in the eye of the beholder. But um, uh, I think I did mention it to him. But he said, uh, he said, you, he, another thing he said to me is that you will not find anyone who more closely follows the Hari Bhakti Vilas than our lineage. And I said, yes, and that is my point. No one more closely, but even you don't follow it entirely. So it has some relativity to it, and that is to be determined by the Acharya, because it is somewhat of a preaching strategy, if you will, to form the Sampradaya 
in consideration of the times and give it credibility in the eyes of the people. And if you don't have rituals and like the smartas, which is the other side of the 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 tagis in the Shankar lineage, you have the, the renunciates, and then you have the Brahmins hmm? in, in the religious sector, and they were the 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 um, um, what did I say? Was there smartas? And so then they got all kind of rituals, and they got the whole everything. They, you can't do anything. You can't move without them. You know, if you're a religious person, they've got to bless everything you do, and you can get and they get their sustenance from that. Hmm? So they uh, kind of had a monopoly on religion, and then it was thought in the Shankar lineage that you take you have to take birth as a Brahmin, and then in that life, one of those lives as a Brahmin, you have to take sannyas to be a tagi, and then you can uh, realize that Brahman and and Atma are one, and there is no world, and there is no real Atma, Jivatma, and so forth. That's part of their teaching. We're in this section of Chaitanya Charitamrita now. But at any rate, this was the work of the Goswamis, and the work of Bhaktivinoda is somewhat similar. He wrote many books. He tried to excavate what the real teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were out of a kind of a kitri of uh, different misrepresentations that were pr- prominent. Again, the real idea was alive and well, Bhaktivinoda himself had teachers and so on and so forth. But the popular um, sense of what Gaudiya Vaishnava was about was about was such that if a Gaudiya Vaishnava would come to your door and you were a pious, educated Hindu and, and, and ask for a, a, um, alms and your house assistant would say, oh, it's a Gaudiya, give him some fruit and tell him to go away. If it was somebody else, they might come and learn something from him. But nothing to learn from the Gaudiya people. But give them some food anyway. So this was uh, an unfortunate situation. And, and I say, I say Bhakti Thakur sought to rectify it, and he empowered Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur to continue on with that work. And he did so in a way that was more overt than the way in which Bhakti Vinod thought to do it. He was rather indirect and... The example of Prabhupada that used to cite, I don't know where he got that from, in like a needle and out like a plow. So if you, went, if you stuck a needle in your stomach, it would go in rather easily, but if it had somehow inside it became like a plow or an anchor, and then you pulled it out, it would make a bigger hole. So Bhaktivinotaka was like, in like a needle and out like a plow. There's a famous story of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur as a young lad coming to see his father, Bhakti Vinod, who was meeting with a famous um, Sahajya. Hmm? Sahajyas are a different lineage that attaches themselves to Chaitanya Charitamrita and the Goswamis, and they cite the Chaitanya Charitamrita fully, and, and so on and so forth, but they have a very different take than the Orthodox take in many respects. Of course, they see that you have to do parakya now, and it's a tantric type of... A, sexual affair, and Radha and Krishna are the within, and ultimately it ends in Mayavad, the Sahajya doctrine. So Radha and Krishna is a metaphor for the man-woman, man-woman get together, they do the tantric sex as part of the sadhana, and I'm simplifying it, obviously. Uh, But it's very sophisticated in terms of its, uh, it sounds pretty, well, obviously that's wrong, kind of to us, because we've taught in a certain way, but... They have commentaries um, uh, on major texts of the Gaudias and so on and so forth. 
Um, uh, so anyway, Bhaktisiddhanta came and saw, and then he, at a distance, he paid respects to Bhaktivinoda. And so the Sahajiya said to Bhaktivinoda, he said, oh, you're a very nice boy. See, he sees you from a distance like this, and he pays respect. And Bhaktivinoda says, well, he's nice, yeah, but the reason he's done that is because he's taken a vow not to come within a hundred feet of a Sahajiya. <laughs> and you are a Sahajiya, so... This is a, so, <laughs> Bhaktivinoda was talking with and Bhaktivinoda and Bhaktisiddhanta, in like a needle, Bhaktivinoda and out like a plow, Bhaktisiddhanta, and he was got it rather disturbing in a, in a way uh, for many people in his very confrontational type of approach. So that's not the only approach. We can see Bhaktivinoda had a non-confrontational approach, and um, and and much to be uh, gained from that. It's, so that's all the call of the Acharya at the time, how to proceed. So in light of this, again, Bhaktivinoda was thought to be the, like the seventh Gocha, by the, in the public, this is again a popular um, uh, journalist of Calcutta, proclaimed in the seventh Goswami. So he was doing exactly what he wanted, to bring intellectual uh, re, uh, respectability into the pious and intellectual circles of, of, of Hindus in Calcutta to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, which it didn't have at the time. So he's successful in that. He wrote many books. Uh, he established the places of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes in, Brinda, in Habadweep, just like the Goswamis did the, establish the places of Krishna's pastimes in, in Vrindavan, um, and so forth. And so... Um, this was the climate of the times, and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, in light of that, and this is my point, <laughs> it, during the Chatur Masya, which was followed by the Mayavadins, he followed very strictly and showed a very extreme standard of renunciation. He used to eat once a day with his hands behind his back and only as much as he could eat while leaning over like this on the plate, and the plate was filled with habishan, which is a type of like kitri with no spices or salt. And he did that for four months. This was his; he would do it regularly. So it was a very extreme standard of renunciation, frightening to others. But obviously, he was a devotee, also, hmm? and uh, so it was a result of his renunciation. And he was showing it to the public, and and in that way, like the Goswamis, I want to say, were doing, establishing that uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism is as renounced, if not more, than the Mayavad philosophy, and it's not about parakya or paramour love, adultery in this life, and that's what Natchitana Mahaprabhu was not teaching. He was a brahmacharya, Naistika brahmachari from birth, uh, he practiced celibacy and so forth, so this is a little bit of our, uh, our lineage. So, uh, we, um, followers of Bhakti, you know, it depends what, what what uh, stream you have coming from the, from the, um, I guess you would call, Bhaktisiddhanta would call himself the puddle of the ocean of Bhakti Vinod. He once said, Bhakti Vinod once said that uh, he had the darshan of the Panchatattva chanting in Navadweep, and he considered himself to be a sweeper hmm, in front of the kirtan of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, uh, Panchatattva. I had the opportunity to be in Mayapur in 1974 
and part of the fulfilling of the prediction of bhakti, we know that people from all over the world would, ch- would chant on the streets in Mayapur, Jai Sachinanda, Jai Sachinanda, or people from Europe and uh, all over in Latin America, North America, so forth, around the world there, Asia also, actually. Um, and uh, we were chanting Jai Sachinanda, and people, ladies, were coming out in front of the Senkirtan with a pot of water, hmm? washing the street in front of us, taking a plate of sweets, putting it on the wash place, lying down pranams like this, offering to the Sankirtan party. It was so beautiful, so uh, charming. Hmm? So Bhaktivinoda envisioned himself like somebody sweeping the streets in front of the kirtan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And hearing this, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvatthakura said, and I am one straw in the broom of Bhaktivinoda. So if Bhaktivinoda is ocean, then Bhaktisiddhanta probably consider himself like a puddle or something like that. And we're like, then there are different streams that are drops, and we're kind of evaporated. <laughs> you know, we're kind of like uh, what do they call it? Dry, dried or something. You know, how you dehydrated, <laughs> a little dehydrated. <laughs> so, so we get a drop hmm, from the the puddle of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, and there are a number of lineages and so forth, and these uh, tears we'll call them. Tears of, uh, of 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 love for the paribar of bhakti vinod, they um, have differently, in different ways, approached the observance of the chaturmasya, which again is not technically a limb of bhakti. Hmm? Um, some follow it more strictly than others. Nobody's following it like Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati. No talk or no individual, no um, no group. Bhakti Siddhanta Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada didn't follow it much at all, really, and uh, didn't uh, instruct us uh, much of anything about following it. Um, that said, we are talking about the Chaturmasya because, as I mentioned, this is the Kartik Mas beginning today, the month of Kartik, which is the last month of the four months of the rainy season. And it, by contrast to the observance of the Chaturmasya, observing the Kartik Rata, is a limb of Bhakti. It's mentioned in the Padma Purana also. Hmm? Um, it's mentioned in terms of uh, something like an instance where you can do something small and get a big result. Hmm. A little service goes a long way, something like that. It is the month that precedes the month that Krishna says he is identified with in the Gita. He says, I am the month of Margashirsha, that's the following month, also known as what? Um, I forget the other name, but anyway. That's the Gita name. And preceding that is the Damodar month, also known as the Kartik month. Hmm? And so, Radha, of course, precedes Krishna. Hmm? Radha Krishna, Radha Govinda, Radha Madan Mohan, Radha Gokulnanda, Radha Gopinath, and, of course, we can't forget Kishore Kishori, which was Prabhupada's deities in Chicago, in which Kishore, Krishna, is mentioned first, and Radharani is mentioned second, and Prabhupada was asked about it, and he said, save the best for the last. <laughs> so, no difference there. 
Jai Radhe. And this is her month. Sanatan Goswami has reasoned that if the following month is the month of Krishna, then the one that precedes must be the month of Radha. It's the month of the Urjavrata. So a time for uh, in which the Shakti of Bhagavan is honored. And uh, so it is observed. And so this is the first day, but worth mentioning something about it um, before we enter into the discussion of the, uh, continue the discussion, I should say, of Chaitanya Leela, which at this point um, is starts to become a little drier, perhaps, in that Mahabharata is going to explain, the, the, as he understands, the shortcomings of the Mayavad philosophy that Prakastananda Saraswati was harboring and teaching and which caused him to question the activities of um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Now that part is uh, over. He's no longer questioning the activities of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu was explained, my hearing and chanting, by the way, you have said that, that as the duty of a sannyasi is to study the Vedanta, not to dance and sing in the public. But he said, if you actually know the scriptures, then you would know it's Kali Yuga, and in Kali Yuga, there's a Yuga Dharma, and it happens to be Nam Sankirtan. That's what I'm doing, he said. And it has an extraordinary effect. It uh, it makes a person mad. I don't dance because uh, I want to, but I, I can't stop. The name takes over, and it makes me dance, and makes me cry, and laugh, and, and act like a madman. I asked my guru about it. I got the Krishna mantra from him, and Krishna name from him. This is what it did to me. And I myself had questions about it. So I asked my guru, he said, that's what we want. That's the result we're looking for. You're doing it right. Hmm? Very desirable. And uh, so hearing this description, scripturally uh, supported as it was, and seeing, of course, the person of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his humility compared to the pride of the Mayavadins who think they've become God, um, if you will, uh, Om Narayan, as they respect one another by taking sannyas. Now the Atma has become Narayan. Hmm? Uh, that's the thought. So anyway, uh, he was in it through his humility and, and, and obviously his knowing of the essence of the scripture. He wasn't like a jnani who didn't portray himself as such. His guru said, you're a fool, you can't study Vedanta. But we see he knew the essence of Vedanta and the essence of Vedanta is is Kali Yuga is Krishna Nam, Krishna Nam Sankirtan. So, hmm, Krishna Lolya, to be hmm, eager for, for Krishna. And he comes in the form of his name, primarily. So, so at this point, Prakasananda Saraswati is, is ready to learn from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's, he's, Mahaprabhu has created the teachable moment, and, and uh, now he is going to dissect or shed shed light on the the, um, the the shadowy idea of Vedanta presented by uh, Acharya Shankar. Hmm? And we heard Gona Brittye Jeba Pasha Kodila Acharya Tahashravana Nasha Hoi Sarvakarja. That Mahabharu said that Sripad Sankarcharya has described the Vedic mantra literature, excuse me in terms of gonubriti meanings. And to understand in this way is, is to misunderstand it. 
Gonavritti means, again, indirect understanding. So there are some things, statements that we have to understand indirectly. The famous example is, um, my house is such and such down the, down just a mile from here on the Ganges. So you have to interpret that to mean, he means on the bank of the Ganges, it's not on the Ganges. So there's a reason for interpreting it indirectly. But most of the statements, there's no need for such. And Mahaprabhu will go on about this, but basically Shankar takes all the statements about the Godhead being eternal as a person and so forth, and having qualities and leaders that are eternal, and interprets them in terms of gonabriti, indirectly rather than directly. Like the famous statement of Dr. Radhakrishna and Gita that Prabhupada didn't appreciate when he said, Krishna Sarvadharma and Pratyajamami come Sadhana Brajya surrender to me and Dr. Radhakrishna says it's not to Krishna that we should surrender, but the Krishna that you are within yourself. Something like that. Okay. <laughs> He's saying one thing and there's no need for the Gonavriti explanation there, unless you've already plugged into uh, Shankar's um intellectual, scriptural kind of sleight of hand that's uh, the subject here. So he says, he continues, for the Tanhar Naika Dosha Ishwar Agya Pan Gonarta Kodila Mukya Arta Achadiya. So he said this, that Shankar has done this and it's the wrong way to do it, but then he absolves Shankar of any fault at the same time. This is peculiar. Um, it, Shankar is, and Shiva for that matter, who Shankar is thought to be an incarnation of, is not a popular person in the Ramanuja Sampradaya, not a popular person in the Madhva Sampradaya, two lineages that strongly spoke against the interpretations of scripture given by Shankar that, that uh, underlie the uh, lineage of Dvaita Vedanta. And they were in huge kind of overt battles, if you will, amongst the intellectual uh, and uh, spiritually minded community of India, of whether it's Dvaita or Advaita or Vishishta Dvaita or so on and so forth. Um, and uh, they, uh, the Ramanujas will, won't enter a Shiva temple. The Madhvas have a mantra for, the, for persons to chant while passing urine. Hmm? It's pretty extreme. I don't know the mantra, but the gist of it is, I'm passing urine on Shankar, <laughs> basically, in his, in his ideas. It's hmm? pretty strong language. Shudamar said that about a group once. I urinate on their proposals. I won't mention the, 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 where the proposals came from, but <laughs> uh, strong language. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes appropriate, <clears throat> shocking. Make the point. So, uh, by contrast, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission is much more um, uh, appreciative of Shiva and Shankar. Triparari is a name for Shiva, so that's an example of that. And Mahaprabhu visited the Shankar, the Shiva temples in South India, and so on, and so forth. And we understand Shiva to have a representation, uh, a very an extraordinary one in the context of bhakti. I mean, Bhagavatam says in the very last chapter, Vaishnavanamitashambhu, Shiva is a great Vaishnav, and he has a place 
in Vrindavan as the Chetrapal, the, the, of the place he, of the Dham, he's the Pal, the protector. Hmm? And, and he, there are several places in, in the Braj Mandal where the Shiva uh, lingas are established and uh, different manifestations of Shiva protecting the Dham. Of course, he's also stationed outside the Rasa Leela dance. Uh, Rasa Leela Stali, the place of the Rasa dance. Gopishwar, the famous Shiva Lingam, worshipped by everybody in, in Vrindavan. Sometimes they dress him like a gopi, the Lingam. Hmm? So, um, we have a different approach to that. Hmm? We find a very respectable, dignified place for, for Shiva, and we address Shankaracharya as well, Acharya and Sripad and so forth, uh, with some regard here, and we absolve him of any fault, as Mahabhu has here, through the pen of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, says, Taha nahika dosha. So, but, however, there is no dosha, no fault, nahika dosha, there is no fault for Tahan, for him, for Shankaracharya, there's no fault in what he's done. Why? Because Ishwar Agyapan, he is following the Agya, the order of Ishwar. Hmm? So his teaching is thought to be ordered, Shiva's teaching, by the Ishwar, Vishnu. Gunata Karila Mukya Artha Acharila. So to um, cover the real purpose and 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 the, and the Mukya Vritti that speaks so strongly. There are so many statements in the scripture about the eternality of the form of Krishna, the eternality of his name, qualities, and so forth. Um, so to cover all of this, he, he was ordered to do this, it's said, by Vishnu. It seems like an odd thing for Vishnu to do, but there is a confirmation of this in the Padma Purana. Hmm? I think it's cited here. Here it is here, the, the, the relevant... Um, Lines from Pramaya Vanama Satschastram Prapancham Bodham Uchate Maya Vanama Satschastram. The doctrine of Maya Vada is Asatschastram. It is against the Shastra. Prapanchanam Bodham Uchate. It is Buddhism in disguise. Hmm? Now that's a strong statement, and the Advaitins may not like that. I have uh, researched the matter in the past and found uh, not found any Advaitins that this that that or any evidence, I should say, that these. The, there's a couple of verses here, but this is the main line um, uh, we're concerned with. That and, and no one that says that this is not in older manuscripts or something like that, and. It's an interpolation, so it seems to be um, um, in the original Padma Purana, if you will. I have seen an attempt to try to interpret it otherwise, but it's pretty difficult because there's there's several verses that follow <laughs> um, as well. Uh, I mean, I mean I, I'll, I'll read the Prabhupada's translation of really three verses from this Purana. She even formed his wife Parvati. Uh, the Mayavad philosophy is against the Shastra. It's covered Buddhism, my dear Parvati. In the form of a Brahmin in Kali Yuga, I teach this imagined Mayavad philosophy to cheat the atheists. I describe the, the Godhead to be without form and without qualities. Similarly, I explain Vedanta. 
in explaining Vedanta, I described the Mayabhad philosophy in order to mislead people hmm, by denying the personal form of God. So, okay, it's pretty clear what's being said here in the verses. Um, and there's no, we're not, it's not contested that these are, are not original verses and put in there by some unscrupulous Gaudiya person or Ramanuja person, something like that, and that thing happens, that kind of thing happens. But then we're faced with, well, why would God do that? Hmm? Why would God do that? Hmm? And so, uh, the, uh, the connection with Buddhism mentioned here, prapachanam bodham, Uchate, is it? I always forget that. Prachanam, 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 bodham uchate. Hmm? A covered form, prachanam, of Buddhism, is um, um, central to this idea. Hmm? Now, the Gaudiya's spin on it, if you will, or take on it, is is uh, pretty interesting in, in that they say that we say that that the Mayavad philosophy is very much like Buddhism. Hmm? Buddhism says um, that there is um, there is uh, yeah, it's kind of nihilistic that there, there there there's no atma, and the Mayavadis say there's no atma, hmm? also no individual self. But then they say that there is an underlying consciousness that's kind of like nothing, <laughs> that you can't say anything about. <laughs> you can't describe it. You can't. It's un. Sometimes I describe it as. How do I describe it? Object contentless awareness, whatever that is, awareness of no content. Hmm? It's compared itself by its own in its own school to deep sleep. So in deep sleep, the physical body closes down, the mental body in the dream world closes down, and you're just deep sleep and you're pretty restful. Hmm? It's similar to, thought of, thought of being similar to, to susupti, when the jivas merge back into Mahavishnu and sleep, Vishnu goes to sleep. The problem is that their karma is not yet um, absolved, and so they come out and the world starts again. But if the karma was absolved, they wouldn't get up. So it's like a huge, like, you know, anesthesia. You just go down and that's it. You don't get up. And there's no more suffering. That's for sure. But is it uh, desirable? And I mean, this sort of compared to a huge sh- anesthesia or you know, injection of some... What do they call it? An, anesth- an anesthetic or something. You know, they put you out, way out. Hmm. Um, so, that's similar to Buddhism. Hmm. So these ideas, if you look carefully at them, they're very similar. Even though the Shankar fought with the Buddhists, hmm, debating us over the, the bottom line, they're actually very similar. And this is the point of the Gaudias. Hmm. And so they see Shankar as, given that I think it must have been Ashok, was a, was a Buddhist, a king, and when a king becomes whatever, so does the kingdom. Hmm. That was, so if the king becomes a Catholic, everybody becomes a Catholic. <laughs> 
So when the king Ashok became a Buddhist, then many people became Buddhists. And, and the Buddhism is is a kind of a take on the Upanishads of sorts, which is in contrast to the to the Purva Mimamsa, the, the, the Karmakanda section of the debate, which is about acquisition, rituals, magical mantras, and so forth, to get material results, and, and so forth. He put that all aside, and in the context of that, of course, there were rituals that included animal slaughter. He objected to this, his doctrine of ahimsa, um, and an Upanishadic kind of take on life that at the same time dismisses the Upanishads and all the Vedas uh, in terms of their being thought of as unauthored sounds and he has an emphasis more on reason and introspection over revelation but they're right where these two kind of meet if you will. A beginning idea of revelation in the form of Shankar's take accepting the Vedas but interpreting them hmm? to a Buddhistic kind of conclusion. And then the Buddha ex- rejecting the Upanishads, but having a, a Shankar-like you know, form of, of non-Vedanta uh, teaching. Hmm? So, and this idea, I should, we should note, that they're very similar is the way in which these teachers have come to be thought of in the modern day today. Hmm? In the popular world of contemporary spirituality, Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta are just, for the most part, thought of being different ways of talking about the same thing. Hmm? In fact, there are some Buddhist uh, teachers who teach that there is an Atma, hmm? like Shankar was talking about. Hmm? Or, or there is there is something besides... Nothing. There is uh, consciousness is eternal, something like that. And that there is an Atma. Shankar says there is an, an Atma, but he says ultimately there is not a Jivatma, an individual Atma. That's an illusion. And there's one self, it's Brahman, mm-hmm. something like that. But there are some Buddhists who teach similarly and say that the Buddha, as a matter of strategy, mm-hmm. um, did not... Um, emphasize the idea of of a self because his main teaching was there is no self in reference to the false self hmm? so if I say there's no, there's no self because you're not a woman you're not a man you're not American and it, it, that's all false 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 and then at the same time I try to tell you and there's a real self and I do try to tell that to people because that's our teaching and they can get pretty far by telling them there's no self. And then you start talking about the real self, and then you see, oh, you don't know if you're still, they're still with me. Their head's going around a little bit. Um, and so there, is, there are some Buddhists who, who believe that the Buddha taught, and they, they cite the Pali Canon and so forth to, um, to support their um, perspective, that this was a strategy of the Buddha, Get people to deconstruct the false self, and what's left will come out. And rather than talk about what it is, so we don't have to talk about that. Let's just, just deconstruct, deconstruct the false self because that is the source of suffering. Hmm? You, you, you are identified with a passing phase 
of the trans ongoing transformation of material nature. Hmm? You're not that passing phase of, uh, and so let go of that and all your suffering will go away. And there's truth to that. Hmm? Um, uh, and, and, and then what's after that? We don't have to talk about that. God, Atman, there's, there's no need to talk. Let's just talk about, get down to the brass tacks, what's important. Look, you're suffering, right? Hmm? The world's about suffering. Why are you suffering? Because you're thirsting for sense objects. And an identity is being formed on the basis of that. So deconstruct it. Hmm? Deconstruct it. And you won't suffer anymore. Whatever that constitutes, we call it nirvana. Nirvana. We're just extinguishing. Nirvana means to blow out. Hmm? I don't mean to blow you out, but to blow out like a candle. Hmm? To put out the, you know, this, this, extinguish this false conception of the self. And then emphasize this, what is really there, whatever that is, we don't have to talk about, but that will surface something. We'll just call it nirvana. So this was his uh, teaching. And so to, the idea from the Gaudiya Vaishnava point of view is, to, is that Vishnu empowered Shiva to speak the Mayavada philosophy to bring people in the direction of the Veda again after the Buddha. Now why the Buddha did it <laughs> is because of the, the idea that the dominant form of the adherence to the sacred texts of the Hindus was the Karmakanda and it involved uh, himsa, especially in Kali Yuga, when horse sacrifice, cow sacrifice, and so forth, these seven things couldn't be done as they were thought to be conceived of in the scriptures without any ill effect, and indeed a positive effect for the animals involved. Hmm? So the, uh, some abuse of that, and abuse in general of the Veda, uh, the Upanishads, um, or neglect of them, and a dominance of the Karmakanda. So just in opposition to this, say, well, if, if the Vedas say this, so you, you say, then we don't, we don't care for the Vedas. Hmm? Let's try it that way. Hmm? And bring people in the direction of renunciation and, and deconstruction of the false self, and so on and so forth. So it's this is all looked at from the Gaudiya perspective as you've got a festival, and you've got a keynote speaker, you've got a main band, and then you've got the secondary bands that play along with them, you know? So Buddha's one of the earlier acts, and then Shankar comes in, and Ramanuja's playing, then comes Madhva, and finally Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes to the stage. Hmm? The main act of Kali Yuga. So, the development of theism in, in Kali Yuga. And all of this, uh, these doctrines have something to do with time and circumstance and place. And after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has appeared, now there's no need for just come out with it, who he is. Even he himself covered who he was, denied his own divinity and so on and so forth. But his devotees brought it out repeatedly. And of course, at times he acknowledged it, showed it as well. Hmm? So these are the Buddha, the Shankar, as we teach about it, very prominent examples of the idea, an idea that's been um, tossed around a bit of, of, the, of preaching strategies that... The guru, the acharya, doesn't necessarily say it all hmm, at once. Doesn't tell everybody everything. You can't tell everybody everything all at once. So the problem is, of course, that when when the preaching strategy is 
played out and effective, and now it's time to identify it as such and move on. And when you don't move on, that's when, in regard to the Mayabad philosophy, it's said in texts here, everything is lost, that's a huge problem. Hmm? Um, and, and the philosophy starts looking bad, but when you look at it in light of its being a strategy in terms of the time and place, then it's, it's taken in the positive light. Hmm? And so there may be, there are some examples, in, in, even in the Gaudiya Sampadaya, of preaching strategies of Aguru Maharaj, of Bhakti Vinod, perhaps of Bhakti Siddhartha Jiva Goswami, also his preaching strategy about Swakya over Parakya. Hmm? Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur declared it such, a preaching strategy. Hmm? When he seemed to say that there's no parakya in the in the in the spiritual world, only here. And then he showed actually he secretly he said it here, and this is what it means. One line, what I have written here in my commentary in Ujvol Nilmani, Jiva Goswami says, some of it is for the other people and some of it is what I believe. So you just take that one line and says, This is what he's talking about. And this is why he gives all the logic and the reasoning why there, there has to be parakya in the Paravyam. Hmm? Um, so, there are examples in our own lineage and the line- other lineages as well. And this is a prominent one here. And um, so it's not that much of a stretch, if you will, to um, look at the uh, empowerment of Shiva by Vishnu for teaching this form of atheism, in a, in a sense, to a more atheistic group. It's more theistic than the atheism, if you will, of the Buddha. Hmm? It's, a, it's a kind of, well, well said here, a covered form of, of Buddhism, in a sense. So, Mahaprabhu Ghazani says, according to the Mukhyabriti, Brahmashabde Mukhya Arte Kohe Bhagwan, Siddhaishvarya Paripuna Anudva Samam. So, according to the Mukhyabriti, the direct understanding of the scriptures, God has a. Uh, God has, has all spiritual opulences. No one can be equal or greater to Him. Tanharvi buti deha shabchit akar. So his his form and qualities and so forth are eternal. Hmm? Um, but chit vibuti achadi tanri kohini rakar. Shankar's teaching says that that he's without form nirakar. Hmm. So again, he's Brahman. There's an underlying thing. The form can come later, but to try to get the Buddhist from nothing to something, something with no content. So Chidananda Tenghok Tanra Stan Puribar Tanrekohi Prakrita Satvirbikar. The personality of God is full of spiritual potencies. His body, name, fame, entourage are all spiritual. The Maya body philosopher to the ignorance says that they are all merely transformations of the sattva guna. Hmm. So, Shankaracharya uh, is faultless, as we described, but those who follow him implication is now, and don't understand him in context, then everything is lost for them. Hmm? Their spiritual knowledge is, is lost, especially because the philosophy Vishwanathavati Thakur has explained, it's very difficult to be a Mayavadi and not engage in 
um, aparad to bhakti, to the form of God. And if you do that, then you, because you need bhakti to attain liberation, even sayuja mukti, even emerge in Brahman. If you go against bhakti, then everything's lost. It's very difficult to be a, a mayavadi and not, not do that. Hmm? So, uh, he says, one, one, he, prakrita kodiya mone vishnu kalevar. Vishnu nindar nahi ihar upar. One who considers the body of the Vishnu to be made of material nature it makes an offense. Hmm? This is a great blasphemy against the personality of God. So if you offend Bhagwan and Bhakti, problem, right? Ishvara tatva jain jwalita jwalana. Jibhar swarup yoiche spurilinga gana. Now he goes on a little further. I think we'll end here. He's speaking about how the, he gives an example that he's taught one thing now. Shankar has said something, and why he said it, and how he said it, hmm? and uh, given us a, a, a way to think about that. And in the context of what he said, and the way he's taken the scriptures, he's reversed things and turned the Mukhyavritti into the Gonavritti, the Gonavritti into the Mukhyavritti, and so he's made the Ishwar personality of God in his form and qualities and so forth to be material manifestation of the sattva guna rather than eternal and so on uh, and so forth and so that's wrong we got that part now he's going to go on with another aspect of the Mayavad philosophy I think we'll, we'll, we'll go with that in the next discourse because we've talked for some time and that is that the, 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 he says he says here the jiva is like the god is like the fire and the jiva is like the spark hmm? so of course we know Spark and fire are similar, but you can't cook with a spark, and you can't heat yourself in the winter with a spark. So there's a difference also, a key point. He's going to go through a few key points of Vaishnavism's, Gaudi Vaishnavism's, different, Vaishnavism's difference with the Shankar conception. He's done away with God in any tangible sense. Um, you can't really think about him, you can't visualize them. You can't visualize Brahman. You can't think of Brahman. You can't. Uh, therefore, the 12th chapter of the Gita says, that's, that's very difficult to do. Klesho dikadarastesha It's very difficult to conceive of the impersonal Brahman. And the, the contemporary neo-Advaitans of the modern day say, that's the problem. Conceptualization. You have to be free from conceptualization. Your Krishna idea is just a concept, you know. Yeah. You got to, yes, good idea. So they're also offering their own. They should just be quiet then. <laughs> That's the point. They have nothing to say. Why are you talking? You're giving us the no conception, conception. But hmm. and of course, greater persons than them have given us the Krishna conception. We'll take their example over theirs. But anyway, so the denial of the, the form, the qualities, all these sublime, the leelas of, of Bhagavan, Narayan, Krishna, and so forth, um, these all disappear. This is the point he's made. This is the first first point. Then he'll go into the jiva and then the nature of shakti and so forth. Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai. Shikartik Vrata ki jai. Gaurpremanam. Sisi Gauradamadava ki jai.
ಪಾಂಚಕಲ್ಪತುಂಚಿತಾನಂ ಭಾವಿ ವೈಷ್ಣವಿ ಅನಂತಪುರಿ ವೈಷ್ಣವೃಂದ